darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media and the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment, let's not miss our moment. And now, the Hamilton Corner. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Hamilton Corner. Abraham Hamilton III here, your host of the program, joined by my brother, Mr. Jeff Reed, who's on my left, and Mr. Bobby Rosa, who's on my right behind the boards. The board. I say boards. Why do I say that? It's just one board. Well, it's more than one board? No. It's one board and, and numerous screens. Let me, I'll just call them the boards. I don't know. It makes me feel better to call them plural boards. Like Bobby's just extra, getting down somewhere like a DJ, you know? Flipping turntables, switching records, keeping the beat, you know what I mean? Maybe that's why I'm saying that. Keeping, keeping, you know, s- s- keeping it rocking, you know what I mean? Thank you all for tuning in to the program today. Oh, we have a full show today. And I want to tell you, I absolutely appreciate you tuning into the program. I know for a fact, in this day and age, I mean, everybody and their grandma has a podcast. or <laughs> something for you to listen to. And so the fact that you choose to spend your evenings with us here, um, I appreciate it greatly. And I take it very seriously. I consider it a high and... Um, extremely significantly important responsibility. And so I just want to thank you for tuning in to the program. And I endeavor to remind you on a daily basis, probably going to be a little bit of an extra reminder today, oh, no, no, we'll see, uh, that what goes on in, in your house is still more important than what goes on in the White House. When I encourage you uh, t- to live locally, I mean that. <laughs> I mean that. It's very easy, especially in this digital age and everybody's interconnected through, through the interwebs, through what I would call... Uh, pseudo interaction you know because uh, a, a a social media post can never replace a handshake and a hug <laughs> and it's amazing how interaction and even tones of conversations change when you actually engage in them in person <laughs> uh, so man i encourage you to live locally yes and start with your own families let's start with our own families You know, if you haven't done so yet, husbands and fathers who are listening to me, uh, I want to encourage you to take the initiative, man, to step into your role as the priests and the prophets and protectors of your home. Uh, A lot of us are willing to understand and embrace our role as protectors naturally, physically, uh, but not many of us are willing to, I won't say not many of us, some of us are reluctant to embrace that role spiritually. Uh, That role is just as prominent if not more so spiritually, than it is naturally and physically. You know, may we endeavor to transform our homes into sanctuaries of the Lord's presence, that may our our dinner tables and kitchen tables and living rooms become uh, sources, here's a big word, (laughs) uh, pedagogical communication. That just means teaching. That's an unnecessary big word. (laughs) Uh, But where we convey, as Psalm 128 says, that that, uh, we rise up mighty shoots uh, to glorify the Lord uh, right in our homes, man, starting right in our homes. May our children learn how to pray from hearing us pray, hearing us cry out to the Lord, inviting them to join us 
as we petition and, and offer supplication to the Lord above. And then as we endeavor to uh, serve our families, <laughs> Carl said, Penta what? No, I said peta, pedagogical, pedagogical. <laughs> as we endeavor to serve our families, man, may God give us the grace. Uh, this is a prayer I often pray, and I encourage you to join me in offering this prayer. I often pray, Lord, may you give me the grace to live in such a way to where my life serves as a runway to my children receiving the gospel. May I be a, an aid to them meeting you instead of an impediment to them meeting you. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry, Deborah. Deborah says she's in Michigan where handshakes and hugs are verboten. He's using that German. Probably got a little Goebbels Inc. influence there. The verboten. Hugs and handshakes. Nine, nine. <laughs> Oh, brothers and sisters, what a privilege it is to be in the eternal family of God. Let's begin the program today in Judges chapter 7. Oh, man, I've, may this be an encouragement to you. Judges chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. This is a portion of the account of Gideon stepping into what God called him to. You may remember the story. Uh, Gideon... Uh, was identified by God at a moment when after Joshua's long off the scene and, and Israel would go into their seasons of apostasy, frankly. And at this particular stage, uh, the nation that God had called to be the head and not the tail, above and never beneath, now they're beneath. Whether well, the Amalekites and, and the, you name the, all the ites, <laughs> they were having their way with Judah. And, and Gideon was found... Uh, by the angel of the Lord threshing wheat behind a wine press. And if you know anything about wheat, you really don't want to get wheat wet <laughs> if you're actually going to use it. But because the Amalekites will roll up like Debo on the nation of Israel, hey, y'all got that wheat? My grandmama gave me this wheat. What wheat? <laughs> the Amalekites would, would take the wheat and take all of their crops, and, and really it was a, a sad state. And then Gideon was like, Psh. Where is this God who we've heard about? Our fathers and grandfathers told us all about. Long story short, the Lord called Gideon to follow him, called him a mighty man of valor while he's hiding in cowardice at that moment. Uh, then does some miraculous things, required Gideon to begin by toppling the idol that he was most comfortable with, the one in his dad's own front yard, his own home. Uh, then he, as he referred to himself, as the smallest of, among the smallest tribes of, of Israel, the Lord sovereignly called the nation of Israel to heed his summoning when he said, man, God wants us to, to rise, roll up on these Amalekites and their attendant nations. You read it closely, you notice it's not only the Amalekites, but they had some other nations that were joining them in crushing Israel at this time. And uh, much to Gideon surprise, all the other tribes, or many of the other tribes, not all of them at first, many of the other tribes said, yep, we know this is God. And so they came and responded to Gideon's call. And Gideon's like, what? These people really going to follow me in the battle? This is crazy. So then the Lord hit him with a switcheroo. <laughs> oh, you thought I wanted all of those people to actually fight. Nah, nah, player. <laughs> I got to pare down this army because I don't want anybody to get it twisted in thinking that it's by your might or your military strategy that you were delivered. And so where we pick up in scripture is, is the same night 
that God pared Gideon's army down from 30,000 to 300. When you add Gideon, it's 301. And they were going against a, a, a military contingent that exceeded six figures in quantity. Over 100,000 soldiers they're, they're going up against. And that's where we pick up in chapter 7, verse 7. And this is what the word of God says. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with 300 men. With the 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. I said Amalekites. I meant Midianites. I meant Midianites. I'm sorry. Uh, and will give them into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. Verse 8, so the 300 men took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands. And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now the same night, man, I love the word of God. Now the same night that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp for I have given it into your hands. I'm going to pause for a second. Think about this. The same night that God takes Gideon's army, eh, 30,000, you're feeling really good. I mean, we got to fight a, a puncher's chance, you know. The same night the Lord says, eh, 300. And then once you get down to 300, that very same night the Lord says, this night is going down. Tonight, I'm giving the Midianites into your hand. That's amazing. I'll read verse 9 again. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. Hands. Verse 10. But if you are afraid to go down, <laughs> go with Puri, your servant, down to the camp. And you will hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Puri, his servant, down to the outposts of the army that was in the camp. Mm -mm. that's amazing you're familiar with the story of Gideon uh, you know that the Lord visited him sent the angel of the Lord to visit him right off the bat uh, he makes an offering the angel of the Lord ascends in the offering Then God visits him with the fleece if this is really you Lord I'm gonna put this fleece down let everything around the fleece be wet but let this joker be dry as a bone the Lord says a word that's what you want to see so let it be written so let it be done then the Lord's like Pfft. then Gideon is like whoa, 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 wait 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 you did that too quickly that was a little too quick. Let's do it in the reverse this time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you are the sovereign God of heaven and earth. And far be it from me to ask questions of you. But if you're willing, let's run it in the opposite. Let everything else be bone dry. But let this fleece be sopping wet. The Lord said, a word? That's what you need to see next? So let it be written. So let it be done. Does that. Then he called all the soldiers from around the country. They all come. Whoa. Now I need you to, he's, all of these things the Lord is showing you how he's building a man who does not know him personally, who'd only heard about him, but now he's coming to know him himself personally. And then the Lord says, now you're ready, Gideon. This night, I have given the Midianites into your hands. Go down and handle your business. But, God says it to him, but if you're still afraid, <laughs> if you're still afraid, take your homeboy Pura, because you know, I know he's about that life. Take Pura and y'all go down, sneak down and hear what they're saying about you. And when you get down there, you're going to hear what you need to hear so your hands will be strengthened. Not, that's amazing. God is speaking to him, but he needs to hear something else. <laughs> that's amazing. And I often, when I present this, I ask the question rhetorically. So at this point, 
Was Gideon still afraid? The word of God answers that really for you. Because the Lord told him, I've delivered them into your hands. Go down and handle your business right now. But if you're still afraid, go down with the servant Puro. And the next verse tells us, verse 11 tells us, so he went with Puro. What does that mean? He was still scared. After all of that, he was still afraid. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you. <laughs> God knows our frame. He knows our shortcomings, our flaws. He knows our backgrounds. He knows you more intimately than you know yourself. Than you know yourself. Than we know ourselves. <laughs> it's amazing, and I say this repeatedly, God is a master of using crooked sticks to point straight lines. If God has not given you a spirit of fear, why would you accept it? And let me explain what I mean. God knows that we're human beings. There are certain things that come upon us that are fear-inducing. But understanding that God has not given you a spirit of fear doesn't mean that you don't have moments of trepidation. But what it means is that you don't allow that trepidation to paralyze you to such a degree to where you refuse to obey what God is requiring of you. One of the major things we have to become comfortable with as followers of the way of Christ, especially in our country, in the climate that we're in right now, is that we have to stop looking for a massive crowd before we're willing to obey God. The Lord is able to save by many or by few. Acts 17, when Paul and Silas are in Thessalonica, man, the Thessalonicans say, man, these cats who shook up the whole world. They've come here to our town. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you that Paul and Silas didn't know that they were going to shake up the whole world? They didn't know that. All they knew is that they had been captured by a Christ who was worthy of their obedience. What the Lord does with our obedience is his business. And it is not a sin to have an initial form of trepidation, but it becomes sin if we allow that trepidation to cause us to disobey God. If you know God is moving you in a particular direction and you're concerned about it. You're like, man, I can't do that. Of course you can in your own strength. God knew that before he called you, but he called you anyway because he knows that in him, your weakness is perfected. Your, your, your strength is perfected in your weakness because it requires you to rely on God. God doesn't need a majority in order to accomplish his will. In fact, all throughout scripture, he's always used remnants. Forget waiting to have a critical mass behind you. As you obey God, God will reward your obedience. Hey, I'm Brand, And as you know, one of the worst things you can say in any business or in life for that matter is, but we've never done it that way before. That approach stops us from making decisions that could have been great. We just keep doing the same thing, even if we're not happy with it, even while we're complaining about it, we just keep doing it. What if there's a better way? This is why considering MediShare for your healthcare bills is such a great idea. It works, it's less expensive, it's convenient, it's a better way for so many people to pay for their healthcare. And thinking, but we've never done it that way before is a great way to miss out on major savings. The typical family saves $500 a month and you miss out on the huge network of doctors, the free telehealth services, the great customer service, and being a part of something that matters with more than 400,000 members sharing each other's healthcare bills. So you've never done it this way before? 
No problem. Just call. You can start saving right now. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Spring share 2021 is coming April 13th through the 15th. We're so grateful to God for this gift that you have given to the Christian community. This share our theme is Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We had a house fire on May 4th, and we live in a camper all summer long. And there's two things that never change. One is to God's sovereign grace and the words that He gave us in the Bible, and two, is a inspiration coming from AFR. Because of our trust in God, we can face the world with confident hope. I believe that AFR was a direct answer to my prayers for God's help. Stand with us and help remind the nation that God is our confident hope during our three-day Spring share April 13th through 15th. And thanks for supporting American Family Radio. Ryan Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Joe Biden, like every other regressive politician in America, wants to strip Americans of our Second Amendment right to keep, that means to own them, and to bear arms, that means to carry them around so we can defend ourselves. One of Biden's advisors said the Second Amendment was not written to protect weapons of war, but that is precisely what the Second Amendment was designed to do. The weapons protected by the Second Amendment are the very weapons that colonists used to win the Revolutionary War against the occupying armies of the United Kingdom and secure Americans' freedom. Tyrannical politicians, beginning with the King of England, right down to President Joe Biden, are determined to strip Americans of our right to protect ourselves. For liberty's sake, we must not let them do this to us. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. Shining light into the darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner, ladies and gentlemen. Let us commence to weaving <laughs> with some foolishness, foolishness du jour. Because, you know, you have so much of it every day. And uh, this, this one really saddens me. Um, really, 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 really saddens me. And I'm going to explain why. So in Georgia, <laughs> and I know I've been talking about this, uh, but you have religious leaders with Georgia's uh, AME Episcopal District. That's the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Start about Richard Allen. I mentioned Richard Allen before. Uh, <laughs> that are calling, they're calling for <laughs> a national boycott of three American corporations. It would be uh, Delta, Coca-Cola, and Home Depot for, quote, failing to speak out against Georgia's new voting law. Now, if you've listened to this show, you know I've taken the time to read the entire 98 pages of Georgia's new law. Looking for, let me find the oppression. Where's the oppression? I'm the oppression hunter. And I'm, I'm flipping the pages. And I'm like, But these people are lying to you, you know, and, and it's, it's funny. I, I'm saying they're lying, guys, because they are. They're lying about this law. You know, 
being, you know, a broadcaster, there's a temptation sometimes to, you know, all, try to soft pedal it. But they're lying about the law. And so then that caused me initially to start asking, well, why did why they lie about this law? And I, I've shared my my notions uh, why. It's, it's evident. And the story I'm about to share confirms what I've said to you already, why they're lying about it. it unfortunately, it, it's a part of an agenda that's much broader than the state, the state of Georgia. <laughs> um, and you're going to hear exactly why. I'm going to play that with you. But I'm saddened by this. Um, Because you have these leaders of this denomination that are being used, frankly. They're being played and being used to foment a national sentiment to accomplish something that a lot of these people, some of them, maybe, maybe, maybe they do understand it all. But I know some of the people who are listening to them may not understand what actually is going on here. Um, and it reminds me about how, you know, the private letter between Margaret Sanger and the co-founder of the Procter & Gamble organization say, you know what? We have a plan. We want to exterminate all black people in America. <laughs> but in order to, to get it done, we need to get some, some of their own kind, their preachers, you know, they trust their preachers, to persuade them that they need to help us do this. Go and look this up for yourself. Margaret Sanger, uh, writing in private correspondence with the co-founder of the Procter & Gamble, Gamble is his last name, organization that says, yeah, we, we, we want to exterminate them, but in order to get this done, we need to recruit their preachers to help us do it. And this is what Margaret Sanger said. So just in case the more rebellious of their lot get out of line, we'll use their, their preachers to get them in line. Go and read the letter. It's publicly available. You know, Planned Murderhood would never want you to read and see this, which is why not surprising that they uh, intentionally place <laughs> upwards of 80% of their facilities in minority neighborhoods it's not new and i feel like this is some of the same things but i want to let you hear the audio for yourself for yourself so again i don't want you to just take my word for it. fact check me please fact check me and, and i know they're lying about this and i'm not the only one saying it the washington post said that mr biden was awarded four pinocchios because he's lying about the law and then he confronted they continue lying. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution had to issue an apology publication because they were saying, oh, yeah, we published some inaccurate information about this law. Because they're not reading the law. They're just hearing what other people are saying about it and printing what somebody else said. It's sad. Well, these leaders, and including this man by the name of Bishop Reginald Jackson, he announced their intentions to boycott these corporations. He and another... <sighs> Gentleman who purports to be a preacher of God's word joined in the announcement of their desire to boycott. And toward the end of this audio, they list their demands for the boycott. They'll say, we'll, we'll, we'll rescind our intentions. We'll rescind our boycott of these corporations if they do these four things. Listen for the four things that they're asking for, and you may find answers to your own questions without any commentary for me. Listen to this in clip number one. We don't mind boycotting. That's we will right. not bend. We will not bow. We will That's not break. Right. We will not back up. This is our time and we're That's ready to boycott and ready to march. Religious leaders with Georgia's AME Episcopal District called for a national boycott of three major corporations on Thursday. Bishop Reginald Jackson asked fellow citizens to stop doing business with Coca-Cola, Delta, and Home Depot 
for failing to speak out against Georgia's new voting law. Well, we cannot and will not support companies who do not support us in our struggle to cast our ballots and exercise our freedom. Religious leaders are demanding the following criteria be met to lift the boycott. Companies must express opposition to Senate Bill 202 in a press conference. They must speak out against similar legislation in other states. They must express support of federal legislation, H.R. 1 and H.R. 4, which would block most state voting laws. And they must support litigation against Senate Bill 202. Now, did you hear that? Now, let me say something. First of all, please don't you come close to confusing this Reginald Jackson with Bishop E.W. Jackson, who airs on AFR. Never would he say, support anything like this. And the thing that, that, that is that's so saddening for me is that as a, as a follower of Christ Jesus, I have a great love for his bride. A great love for his bride. And there are people who listen to these men. And frankly, they are being misled in this instance and it's a such a galling a galling lack of discernment because I say I'll, I'll say every time if someone says to you oh this law is oppressive please ask them to point you to the section of the law that is oppressive because I I, I wonder did they even read the legislation because there's nothing in the legislation nothing that impinges upon your anybody across the entire state of Georgia's ability to vote. It, there's nothing in it. Nothing. Nothing. And guys, I would tell you if there was, there's nothing in it. And so it raises the question, well, why then do this? And if you heard the piece, the boycott demands include requiring corp these corporations to publicly express their opposition to the law in a press conference. Speak out against other pieces of legislation in other states. Oh, so you want them to speak about another state, so it's not about Georgia anymore. <laughs> why, why, if you're concerned about the Georgia law, what? Yeah, y'all get it. All right, and then they want the companies to support litigation against the law. And then here's the biggie, here's the revelation. And companies must express support for federal legislation. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Guys, that's the whole ball game right there. Do you think these men on their own, and they could have very well, but do you think they concluded, you know what we need to do? We need to support H.R. 1 in order to respond to this law. <laughs> Which, by the way, there's nothing in the law itself that impinges upon their ability to vote, but we need to continue to gin up support. Guys, the whole ball game, and this is sad, but these men are being used to cultivate a broader base of support for H.R. 1, which, as I've said to you before, if they believed that the November 2020 elections were conducted fully in full legitimacy, then why do they need H.R. 1 if, if Mr. Biden was elected fair and square? It would seem to me that if there was nothing wrong with the November 2020 elections, there would be no need for a national and federal overhaul of elections. Am I, am I, am I missing something there? <laughs> so then they use Georgia's election integrity law 
Because you remember, nothing in November was off, off kilter at all. <laughs> Say, see? <laughs> see? We need to federalize legislation, which if passed, I've explained HR1 before, there would be no longer any state sovereignty over national and federal elections. None. I've explained before, HR1 would eliminate state legislatures' ability to control congressional districts' draftings, a, a whole host of issues. It would basically federalize a lot of the irregularities and, and violations of state voting laws that were violated across the country. I have in front of me right now <laughs> that a, dis a, 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 a district court judge at the, in the state system in Michigan ruled a couple weeks ago that, oh, yeah, Michigan Secretary of State broke their state laws in tweaking unilaterally their absentee ballot procedures. No, no doubt. Which brings me to this. And I had a conversation over the weekend. Say, Abe, you know, why don't you spend more time talking about the fact that the 2020 election was stolen? Why don't you talk about that more frequently? And if you listen to the show, you know I've mentioned it some. I don't, I don't harp on it because, yes, I am greatly concerned. And let me be clear, in case anybody has any wonderings, there ain't no way on this side of heaven that Mr. No Malarkey, Mr. Poor Kids Are As Smart As White Kids, Mr. Barack Obama is the first articulate and clean African-American he ever saw in public politics. Mr. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Ain't no way he got more votes than any presidential candidate in the history of our country. The man can't get 2,000 people to show up at a campaign stop. You mean to tell me 86 million people? <laughs> man, please. President Trump <laughs> got the most votes of any presidential candidate in the history. And Mr. Biden just so happened. To nah, man, <laughs> you can't sell that to me. But can I tell you something? Yes, I'm greatly concerned about that. Greatly concerned about that. But can I tell you something? There is no amount of cheating that would all of a sudden overthrow God's sovereignty. God was sovereign when President Trump was inaugurated. God is sovereign now, right now, which should cause every Christ follower to ask additional questions. First, the first one we have to come to terms with is, do we believe in God's sovereignty? Certainly doesn't, it doesn't mean that God causes, you know, disastrous calamities. But do, do we all of a sudden think that God is, is incapacitated because of the wickedness of men? No. No. So if God is sovereign, then the Christ follower is compelled to introspectively, and I would add in, prayerfully and crying out to God, Lord, what may it be that you're trying to show us through this? What else could be going on? If, you would, if they stole it, and if God allowed this theft, what's going on? And I would offer for your consideration, and that's, let me say it plainly, America is not Israel. No need to even quibble over that. But the Bible, as the Apostle Paul said, the things that are written aforetime are written for our learning. That through patience and the comfort of Scripture, we might have hope. You study the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel 
and and in all of these books, when 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 God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to roll up on Judah, the Lord said repeatedly, "I've sent them." Nebuchadnezzar wasn't big and bad enough to dethrone Yahweh. He said repeatedly, "I've sent them. I've sent Babylon." He warned them through Habakkuk and Zephaniah and through Jeremiah that Babylon was coming. And they didn't want to hear it. And my concern in this moment, oh, Lord. My concern in this moment is that if God is sovereign, which he is, and if, regardless of their cheating, God allowed their cheating, what may he be trying to show us? What may he be trying to show us? Could it be? That God is aware that it's far easier to get Christians to show up at a President Trump rally than it is to maintain prayer meetings in our churches? Could it be that God is revealing the hearts of the professing church in our nation that are far more concerned about the results of electoral politics than, it, than we are about the wickedness in our nation? In fact, we'll be willing to even embrace the wickedness in our nation as long as the economy continues to roar. Could it be that the Lord is revealing, revealing that there is a diversion of loyalty prevalent in his church in our country that causes us to be unmoved by a consistent phenomenon to where we in our own churches are losing generation after generations of Christians to follow the Lord. But we certainly have perfect attendance at our soccer matches. We, 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 have, we have a perfect commitment to desiring for our children to learn and to gain the esteem of the world to send them to places of so-called higher education that we know are committed to trying to destroy their commitment to Christ. Where could it be that God is trying to show us ourselves in that we have embraced a normalized godlessness that allows us to profess to honor the Lord with our lips, but our hearts are being far, far from, far away from him. Brothers and sisters, I am telling you, I'm greatly disturbed and concerned by the theft and the stealing and the cheating going on in electoral politics. But can I tell you something that I'm more concerned about? I am more concerned about the wickedness in our nation that goes almost nearly unaddressed within the Lord's church. And that many in the Lord's church are more concerned about the politics in our nation than we are about the righteousness in our nation, starting in our own homes. How many in our own homes, we won't allow our child to miss the basketball practice or the baseball practice or the soccer practice, but consistent engagement and, and participation in the corporate assembly of the believers becomes a take it or leave it proposition. I'm not saying church is salvific, but it could very well reveal where our loyalties actually lie. Do you want your life to really matter? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. You want to make the rest of your life the best of your life? It's not going to happen unless you put God's action plan into practice in your life. And you will have the experience one day of standing before the Lord and hearing him say to you, well done. Discover how you can hear God say, well done. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, 
each weeknight at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Early treatment for COVID. This is David Wheaton, host of The Christian Worldview. The message of Jesus Christ is the most important truth. It is God's means of saving you spiritually. That is why Christians proclaim, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Here's another message that can save you or your loved one physically from COVID. Get early treatment. While government is obsessed with the vaccine and masks, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons is focused on an early treatment protocol. Hear how in an interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, leader in early COVID treatment, at thechristianworldview.org and then tune in this weekend for another topic that will sharpen your worldview. Listen to The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton Saturday mornings at 8 Central on American Family Radio. Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. American civil liberties are under attack by the cancel culture mob, and it's time for American citizens to fight back. And that's exactly what my friends at ConstitutionCoach.com are doing. Three days in the Nevada desert shooting guns and getting a primer on the Constitution. I just took the course, and it's absolutely life-changing. The Constitution Coach team has set up a special class just for my listeners on April the 25th, and it's going to fill up very fast. So visit ConstitutionCoach.com today. That's ConstitutionCoach.com. The Harvey family of Austin, Texas, was in a bit of a pickle the other day. They were about to board a flight in Denver when they were told their two-year-old had to wear a face mask. Well, like most two-year-olds, little Jackson was not too keen on keeping the face mask on his face. Every time he would take it off, his mother would put it back on. But the flight attendants were not satisfied, and Southwest Airlines ordered the family to get off the airplane. The airline said every passenger over the age of two has to wear a mask, and Jackson was two and a half. Eric Harvey posted a video on Facebook explaining why they were stranded in Denver. By chance, an old family friend was watching, and he decided to jump in his private plane and bring the Harveys back home. And the best part? No one had to wear a mask, thanks to a good Samaritan with wings. I'm Todd Starnes. The Hamilton Quarter Podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back 